when you first got to the junior representative leagues through, through your rugby club, who was the first person that kind of gave you that wake up call? This is a whole new level of competition. Yeah, well, I I think very much it was the coaches there. They made you realize the reality of it. The reality that you're not just playing against the people next door. You're not yeah. just playing against people in your school, but you're playing against the best people in the state. And what really happened was the first and second game when I went from Cronulla across to South Sydney, yeah. I just so much bigger. Yeah. And I went across as a 14-year-old. And like I'm I'm still not the biggest guy going around. So you can imagine that I was a lot smaller back then. But there was this big Islander guy where yeah. he was over 100 kilos at 14 playing in the centers, which in rugby league terms, they're fast. They're yeah. out wide. And I was in the forward pack. And he came running straight towards me and no one else could tackle him. But I managed to get him down by myself. So that was a rude awakening of one, the level and the intensity that, that you have to lift to, but also two, that I could do it. Little old me from Cronulla, that I could rise to the yep. occasion. And really, we started to gain momentum off that and life has never looked back. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, insuring them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind, insuring them, I'm just fine, I'm good enough But you be told I need some therapy Initially ain't do it voluntarily, but now I got a legacy Alright, welcome back to another brand new episode of the Team Player Podcast A very special episode, this is episode number 62 We have a very special international edition today <laughs> As we welcome in our first ever Aussie into the team player studios. We've had a Kiwi. We have had a New Zealander. They beat me to it. They beat oh. you to it. <laughs> but, you know, this guest today, he's competed in both rugby, both in rugby league and as a mixed martial artist. But now he trains athletes of all ages, in addition to conducting various public speaking engagements. It's our great pleasure to welcome David Lindsay to the show. And thank you very much, Coach. I'm so excited to be a part of this and to hopefully give your listeners something that they can use in an instant to really help them snap into action, to raise their morale, productivity, and profitability and have a lot more fun while doing it. Love, love hearing that. If you're a part of the team player movement, make sure you've given us that five-star rating. It takes literally a second. Just give the rating wherever you're listening. We've got over 50 on Spotify, 27 on Apple Podcasts. So we're doing pretty good. It's starting to grow, so please keep doing that. If you want to leave a written review, I will read those live on the episode. You can hit the follow button to subscribe and get a new episode in your queue every Sunday. We'll be honored the Team Player Podcast made it into your rotation. And I'm your host, James Kovaleski. You can follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kovo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. All right, Coach, let's let's dive into it. So your early life, I looked into it. You said you grew up in Engadine. I hope I pronounced yeah. it in Engadine. That, that's 100% correct. So many okay. people get that wrong. Yeah, so Engadine, just 40 minutes southwest of the iconic 
Sydney Opera House in downtown Sydney. So you're right there outside of the city. So yeah. just tell us, we're mostly an American, you know, listener base. What was it like growing up outside one of the most beautiful cities in the world? Yeah, it, it was, it was, and it still is because I live not far from where I grew up as well. Yeah. It was, I had a great childhood. I'm the middle child of, I've got an older brother and a younger sister. So we grew up as a competitive family, but living in the suburbs, you know, it was just so good as a kid, being able to play in the streets, being able to go to the park, kick the football, kick the soccer ball, hit yeah. the baseball. It's, you know, my childhood, there was no complaints at all because everything along the way, I was quite an adventurous kid as well. Yeah. So, you know, I'd stack the bike, I'd get myself in trouble, just a li little bit of trouble, but yeah. kept my parents on their toes and yeah, I loved every part of it. Growing up in Ingadine, which is part of Cronulla, like you said, which is just south of Sydney, great place to be. Now, let's talk about just some of the terminology. That's kind of the thing I always enjoy. We all speak English, you know, but it's kind of different terminology sometimes. And so, very much, yeah. obviously, football. We have an American version of football. The rest of the world calls, you know, is calls it football. <laughs> we call it soccer. But then in Australia, you also have Aussie rules football, which I believe is called footy. If I or, or maybe that's just educate yep. me on what is the correct terminology for what we call soccer, what we call American football, and what Aussie rules football is. Yeah, and it's not even Aussie rules. That's another another game as well. I see. So that, okay. They also call that footy. That's more in um, Melbourne, in Victoria. Okay. It's massive down there, and also over in Western Australia. So that's that's AFL, Australian Football League. Yeah. We also call it aerial ping pong. Uh, I in love Australia, it. <laughs> because there's no offside. They kick it, and it's, and it's on a big big oval, like on a cricket oval. In so footy, call, but footy can also be like what we call soccer. It can it can mean both. Yeah. yeah, and we also call it soccer as well. Okay. My dad is from England. He calls it real football. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. But when when I talk about football, I'm talking about rugby league. Okay. So I okay. played rugby league. Yeah. Now that's a question I have because you're also not our first rugby guest. We we've had a, we have had a rugby guest on the show, and I'm. It's kind of sad for me, and you you probably you know this that the, the American you know our, the American competitiveness on the world stage in rugby is not we're not very we're not very competitive at the moment you know relative to yeah. you know those teams in the South Pacific or, or you know around the UK or you know some of those teams we're yeah. just not there right now, and I know from growing up here, we don't have very much exposure to it. I grew up mm. in Houston, Texas, one of the biggest cities, you know, the fourth or fifth biggest city in the United States. There's very little exposure to rugby for kids. We now have yeah. an NRL team. We have a professional team, the Houston Sabercats. So maybe yeah. that's starting to change. But the biggest question that I always have, the difference between rugby league and rugby union. And yeah. you, the thing that I love about you is I, I feel like most teams here in America, they're playing rugby union. I believe, you know, and that's kind of what they play in England, right? In, in their top, in yeah. the Bedford Super League and all that kind of stuff. But I don't see much rugby league here. And so my question yeah. is, from what I understand, it's kind of maybe like a faster paced game. It's maybe a little bit more like American football, like what we're used to in terms of the tempo and the flow. But can you yeah. kind of explain to American listeners the difference with rugby league? And then what parts of the world prefer rugby league it seems like in, in australia rugby league is kind of more popular maybe in the rest of the world rugby union is more popular yeah. if i'm even accurate yeah. tell me if i'm all wrong on all that no you're, you're very correct and i love how you have the roosters jersey yes, yes they're, they're a south sydney bitter rival but yeah. i love that you've gone to that level, level 
of yeah. Yeah, having the Roosters jersey. <clears throat> but what happens with rugby union is once you get tackled, the ball is still alive. Okay. So you get these rucks, these malls. Basically, you you guys would probably go, they're all just jumping in on top of each other. A scrum. So that, that, well, it's, it's a moving yeah. scrum. It's a ruck okay. or a mall. A ruck, okay, okay. Yeah. So that's where it is basically a scrum. They get in there, and that can slow it down. But what also happens is it brings all of the forwards in. Yeah. So that gives their backs more room to play. So it really opens up the game by bringing the forwards in. With rugby league, once you get tackled, the opposing teams have to go back 10 meters. So it's kind of like American football. It, the yeah. play is dead yeah, so, and then you, re- you reset for another play. Yeah. But the big thing with rugby league compared to American football as well is in rugby league, if you get up and you play the ball quickly, you don't have to wait for them to reset. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah. So if you get up and you play the ball quickly, you can get a penalty because they're offside or you can get, you'll be able to make a break because they're not back on side and they're a bit all over the place. Yeah. So the defending team really wants to hold them down and slow it down. Whereas the attacking team wants to get up and play the ball quickly. Yeah. yeah. I love it, you know, and I always like to ask this question and again, I'm, I'm kind of a novice to it, but I, I almost think rugby league rules would be more popular in America. So I, I'm kind of, I always kind of question why the NRL plays rugby union. So can you talk about geographically? I know rugby league is actually very popular, like Northern England, like the, the Northern part of the UK, maybe more so popular in Australia. Why is that? Well, why is it that, that league rules took off in those parts of the world? Yeah. I can't really put a finger on it. Okay. I think maybe because, when rugby union started, it was basically, you know, the universities or the college people, the upper class people. I see. Okay. Played rugby union. Yeah. Whereas rugby league is for the knockabout sort of people. Yeah. Yeah. For the people that, you know, they work in factories and then they go and they play rugby league on the weekend. I love it. Yeah. So it started off as a different demographic. That's fascinating. I, I love hearing the, the background on that, David. I mean, I, I just find that so interesting. And I mean, Again, everything you've described to me, every single point, I kind of prefer rugby league. I got to be honest with you. I mean, just I love <laughs> that background, you know, the game of the people, you know, that 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 yeah. that that speed. And, and I think it translates to the American palette with, with the stoppage of play for a second just to reset. But I love it, you know. So you mentioned in high school, you of course, you played football, which is rugby league, but you also played baseball. You know, we just recently had the World Baseball Classic, and I, I didn't even know the Aussies were, were playing baseball down there. So can you talk yeah. about the – what's the popularity of baseball like in Australia? Sorry, my voice is going a little bit of – Oh, no done, problem. done a couple of talks. But, yeah, it's like I, I played up to – I was ranked number two in New South Wales in the state yeah. for baseball, and I loved it. Yeah. Like I much prefer baseball over cricket. So it's it sort of – goes up and down in its popularity sort of every five or six years you'll see the popularity will will go up and then it will go down a little bit it's yeah I just grew grew up playing baseball my sister was actually captain for the Australian softball team for the junior junior team that won a bronze medal at the the world um, softball competition so we play that at like me and my sister my brother was a cricketer for me, cricket's just so boring. 
I just I can't time stand it. I'm kind of, I don't fully understand that game either. We don't have much exposure to that, but you know, Liam Hendricks is a famous Australian. I don't know if people realize Liam Hendricks is an Aussie, you know, no. and he's a big time pitcher in the MLB. So that's pretty cool. And then yeah. I'm a big basketball fan. I don't, I don't know if, if you are, but I know your Sydney Kings just won the NBL championship. And so NBL yeah. basketball in Australia, it's, a lot of people think it's maybe the second best league in the world behind the end. It's up there. It's in the top two or yeah. three. I mean, it's very I, competitive. Yeah. I, I knew like growing up cause I, I'm a very old man. I grew up, you know, around the time of when Jordan was at his peak. Yeah. So I never really got into, I never really liked the game of basketball, sure. but I like watching greatness. Yeah. So seeing people like Jordan Rodman, the Chicago bulls. And then as a result of that, because I'm in Sydney, I'd go and watch the Sydney Kings. Yeah. yeah, it's like I just love watching the athleticism, the teamwork, the great greatness of it all. Now let's talk about after you finished high school. It's kind of cool, and maybe this is different in other countries. You talked about the since you were kind of pegged as a very competitive, you know, rugby league player, you were actually yeah. able to rather than going to the college route, you were able to continue playing like through your club and kind of going yeah. on that that route towards becoming a professional. Can you explain yeah. what that's like? Because in America, a lot of times the route is, you know, you, you play for a big college, which leads you into the professionals, the professional route, you know? So can yeah. you describe what that's what that system is like in Australia? Yeah, so like I said, I played for South Sydney and they're one of the, well, they're the most successful team in the NRL. Yeah. So what they do, they've got levels um, below it. So you've got the NRL, which is a top level. Then you have reserve grade, then you have under 20s, under 18s, under 16s. So that that creates like a pathway. Yeah. So I, I was lucky enough to play for them, like I said, from when I was 14, and then played my way through the different levels. I was just about to crack, crack it into reserve grade, into first grade, when I suffered a couple of knee reconstructions. So yeah, that that put a halt on that straight away. Let's talk about that though, because now that mm. kind of blends into what you do now, you know, you know, as a, as a trainer and motivational speaker. So a lot of my listeners, obviously were former athletes, you know, we're the yeah. ex athletes or we're coaches or things of that nature. And so we all know that th th they always say it's a kid's game, right? And someday your time will come. <laughs> your time came earlier than you wanted. You were still a young man, you know, at the height of yeah. your, your power and your vitality. And you, so can you talk about the mental aspect now a lot? We're talking a lot more about mental health in 2023 than we did back when, mm -hmm. when you and I were, mm -hmm. you know, were growing up and stuff. So yeah. can you talk about the mental toll of being at your peak physical condition, being told it's over? Yeah. Yeah. It was like a, a big hit in the face as you could yeah. imagine. Yeah. I had my first knee reconstruction when I was 17 years old. And then I, I came back and I continued to play to when I was, 21 when I suffered my second knee reconstruction and yeah my whole world just yeah. got taken from underneath me yeah because I was a rugby league player I was yeah. an athlete and just everything got taken from me I was a lot bigger back back then as well yeah. um obviously like I was about 90 odd kilos so around 200 pounds oh wow now yeah. I fight it when I fight well I don't fight anymore when I when I used to fight it was at 145 Wow. 155 yeah. pounds so yeah. Yeah. I was a lot bigger back back then um but what happened was yeah I would, I got picked up by a bloke to start um arm wrestling yeah so I, I never even knew of arm wrestling as a sport 
And sorry, is it? No, take your time. I know you've been speaking a lot, you know, with with your various <laughs> speaking engagements. But the, yeah. you, let's talk about that. So after, it's kind of cool. A lot of us athletes, like for me, when I was done playing, I really got into CrossFit because I enjoyed yeah. it. It felt like I was yeah, back on the team. that different avenue. Right. So you yeah. found competitive arm wrestling. And yeah. that's just something that I can tell just by looking at you. You're, you're a, you know, you're a, a shorter but powerfully built kind of guy. So I, I think you're... <laughs> Is that is that what you're looking for in in arm wrestling? I mean, you kind of look for like the short but powerful build, or what? What kind of what body makes a good arm wrestler? There's so many different body types because you look at um, uh, Dan Dan Leverett, where he's got long levers, yeah, and he he was a world champion arm wrestler. You get nuggety blokes, and then that all comes down into technique. Yeah. So what technique do you use? And so I, I was training hard for it. I never knew arm wrestling as a sport before. Like I, I knew knew as a to get get drinks, but yeah. yeah, when I was arm wrestling, I was very very good at it, and I was on my way to going across the states to go in some professional arm wrestling tournaments when I was over in Corfu and I snapped my humerus. Oh so my god! Going up here, I was yeah. arm wrestling by the I got bicep, a bloke down yeah. and. I turn my body. I use bad bad technique and snap my arm, and that that actually was worse than the knee reconstructions. You, let's before we dive into that, I got to ask you: Have you seen the movie Over the Top, Sylvester Stallone? No, no, I haven't seen that yet. You would so love it. People talk to me about it, and I just go, no, no. But yeah, this is the 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 plot is really it's it sounds kind of crazy, but it, it's just a good fun eighties movie, but. He's a truck driver that ends up having to win arm wrestling to get possession of his son back. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, so it, it's really it's it's just a classic '80s movie with you know a ripped Sylvester Stallone. But you talk mm. about breaking a large bone like that. Mm. I imagine that now it's not you're not even just thinking about oh can I be an athlete can I be a professional athlete you're like can I use my arm properly for the rest of my life can I eat cereal yeah. in the morning or can I you know what was it that point where you lost function for a time no what happened was i flew back to australia and i got a, a plate put in okay okay and that that is when i lost use of my my arm yeah, I see. <clears throat> yeah so they hit a nerve and my arm went paralyzed yeah and i got a nerve conduction study done and they said david i'm sorry the nerves are shriveled up and dying oh and i just God. yeah I, I lost it yeah, I, I ended up in tears yeah. because not only is my life as an athlete gone, but also my life as a trainer, as yeah. a, a gym manager, as all of these other things. How can I do that if my arm isn't working? Right. So that, that's where yeah. it comes into mindset as well. So like I was, I went home and I cried. Yeah. Like probably for about, two days I, I locked myself in in my unit and i went man i just felt so sorry for myself but i've got a support network and i go i've overcome all of these obstacles in, yeah. in my past how is a broken bone going to define who i am so man. then yeah. i started looking for anything that may help get it back and let, so, I mean, if, I just think that these experiences that you've had, and on this show, 
we don't like to just talk about the good times and winning championships and this, that. Mm. We like to talk about the low moments because those moments is what helps us get better. And so for you, and now it's perfect for what you do now, but you're at a point to me, if I, if I had kind of, if I was worried about using my arm, the last thing I would want to do is get into an octagon if another man is trying to take my head off. <laughs> I would want all of my limbs ready to go to defend yeah. myself. So how did you get into the mixed martial arts after that? Yeah, well, eventually I got movement back into Good. my arm. Yeah. And like, like I said, I'm a competitive guy in everything I do. And there was a kung fu school that that I saw across the road in, in the city. And I went, man, I'm still 22 at this point. Wow, like, yeah, you were young. I've, I've got everything to go for. So I just started off, I did Kung Fu, Muay Thai, Jiu Jitsu, and wrestling. And yeah, with, with that as well, I, I started getting good at that. So I really wanted to test myself out. Always I'm trying to test myself out with speaking, with coaching, with getting people better, with getting myself better. I'm constantly trying to move forward. So I got got my black belt in Kung Fu and I went and I just really wanted to compete. So I started off with a couple of jiu-jitsu tournaments and then went, let's jump straight in. Yeah. Let's do the whole whole boxing guys. So I got into MMA. Now let's I've just always wondered watching that sport. It just and I mean it's it's a it's a really a thing to behold. The level yeah. of physical conditioning, the mental fortitude you need to be in those situations, you're 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 our first, you know, combat sport to come on. <laughs> we, we, we've had wrestlers, if you consider. Well, I guess you could consider wrestling, but you're you're yeah. taking it to a whole another level. We have had wrestlers, but do I've never talked to an, a, a mixed mar, mar, martial artist like this. I've talked to a couple of judo. One of my former players is involved in judo, and so, but mixed martial arts. When you step into that cage. Yeah. Does it almost feel like you're being transported back into like Roman times and you're just like in the Colosseum? I mean, it's just got to yeah. be that that primal feeling of just like oh, And that, that's what I love about it. Yeah. Like while you're walking out to the cage, the music is going, yeah. the energy of the crowd as well. It, it's very much like that. Yeah. And you can, you hear the crowd, but you can hear your coach's voice. Yeah. You just, you can just pick up on that. And then you go, all of this training is all coming together. Right. And it's really, it is more about mental than anything. Right. Because you break them down mentally and the body goes with it. And it's the same in the corporate world with businesses. You you control your mind, you control their mind, you control the outcome. And so the question I always ask is you've always been an athlete. It's, I always ask my coaches, did you always know you wanted to be a coach? It, it seemed, I, you seem like maybe, or no, you're shaking your head no. So was there some no. other career you wanted to do instead of coaching? No, no while I was competing, I, I thought about just competing. Yeah, okay. So I never, like I thought coaches, they have their own role. I'm an athlete. I'm right. going to go down that route. But then it was, you know, towards the end of my, end of my career as well. We're looking at my wrestling coach, the impact that he had. Yeah. And then I went, I, I can make more of an impact coaching. I can make more of an impact speaking. So I really wanted to make the biggest impact I could. And that is by coaching because it's not just one-to-one, but it's one-to-many. Same as we're speaking, it's not just one-to-one, but it's one-to-thousands. So how can I make the, the biggest impact 
and change people's lives is by coaching, is by doing all this other stuff as well. And so you, you've played high-level elite athletics in three different sports. There's not a lot of people have done. So you've yeah, done it in, yeah. in football, rugby league. You've done it in arm wrestling. You've now done it in mixed martial arts and several different disciplines of martial arts you listed, you know? So yeah, that gives you lots of unique experiences to help more people, which I, I know that's what you do now. So let's talk about like what eventually for all of us, you know, even though you, I can tell you're still very physically fit. <laughs> yep. Eventually we all still got to stop the elite competitions, right. Or, or scale it back. Yeah. And so now you're more, you're, you know, you're doing more training and speaking at seminars and helping businesses. So can you describe what exactly it is that you do? Let's just start yeah. there. What exactly is it that, that you do to help your clients? Yeah, so we're speaking. What it is, is I have my five steps towards improved vitality. So it takes my life as an athlete, as a coach, as a trainer, and it bring, brings it across to the corporate world. Yeah. Especially what we've been through the last two and a half, three years. People are walking around worried about what's going on. They're worried about all of this. But if you raise your vitality, you raise teamwork you raise morale, you raise productivity and therefore profitability. And people have a lot more fun as well. Yeah. You know, and if you're playing football or you're doing sports with people that you know, like, and trust, you do more, you perform better than you are if it's just, you know, scattered about. So it's about bringing that teamwork to the corporate world. I love it. Can, can I ask you, how old are you? I'm 41. 41. I was going to say very you, old man. No, you don't look it, man. I mean, you, you're the uh, model. of fitness. You. you really do. You really do. You know? And so I guess, is that something that you, in addition to, to kind of the morale, do you, if, let's say a company brings you in to speak to their, to their workforce. Do you also educate yeah. people on maybe some self-care techniques? Cause in terms you seem very physically fit. So like diet exercise, yeah. do you kind of speak to that as well, or is it all more morale building? Yeah. For like, I'll run through quickly the five steps. So, and I've actually got a thing here that a talk that I did, you know, a couple yeah. of days ago. So you have, you create routines and rituals to snap into action. So I, I like using music. Yeah. So like, you know, we all have our phones available. available. Yeah. So I get music and I get movement yeah. to snap you into action. And then it's all about napping for peak performance. So from snap to nap. Because okay. so many people are burning out. Yeah. So how can we prevent that? But it's also napping for peak performance. Yeah. So you don't work 24, 7, 3, 6, 5. That's why people are turning up tired. Yeah. Going home tired. Only to start it all again. And then you snap back into action. Then you tap. So you go from snap to tap, which is about failing. Yeah. Knowing it's okay to fail. Yeah. But so long as you learn grow and evolve from it. Then you snap back into action. Then you clap. So say yeah. we start going down the chain, yeah. we have clap, which is all about bringing the team together. Because as I said, if you work with people that you know, like, and trust, you're willing to do more, do it for even less money, have more fun, be more productive while you're doing it. And then we have recap, which is at the bottom. Yeah. Which... With, with sporting teams, we do this all the time. Like when I was coach of a football side, I'd sit down on the sideline, write down what works, what doesn't work. But then you watch, watch a game with the players, the players get a hand out of the sheet and it opens the lines of communications, not just top to bottom, but more importantly, bottom to top. So with that, you 
as a coach, I, I like the successes, but I also want problems. I need problems. Yeah. But we also need solutions. And so it's about constantly moving a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better each and every game. So that that's the five steps. I love it, you know, and I think that the I think we're starting to realize that recovery is essential. I, you know, there is so much, just speaking from the athletic perspective, there's so much yeah. overtraining really to, to reach maximum performance. You need yeah. to factor in the recovery for sure. 100%. So, yeah. And, and so if that's true of athletes. It's, it's true of us that work our desk job or our nine to five too. We, yeah. we have this, we're, we're still human beings, right? Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's like, I talk about how often do people have a lunch break, right? Like you, you see, I'm, it's because my throat, but I've been drinking the whole time, but Staying hydrated as a Western society, most of us are chronically dehydrated. Getting out, moving, getting some fresh air, all that sort of stuff, as well as how do you sleep? Yeah. Like a lot of people go, I need more sleep. When they don't need more sleep, they need better quality yeah. sleep. Yes. Yes. Well, man, that, I, I that's love why. Yeah. yeah. I love all that stuff. And just for the listeners, we're recording this at 6 a.m. in Sydney. It's 6 a.m. Sydney time. And yeah. David is just, he is bouncing <laughs> off the walls. I can tell this guy sleeps good. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do very much. Because in, in Australia, in, in other places that, that I've spoken, they can tell if you're a fraud. They can tell if you know what you're talking about. I truly live and breathe this. It's part of my DNA is yeah. to really get up and help motivate people, help bring companies together. So I love it. So obviously you, you probably work a lot in, in Australian companies, but have you, have you ever gone stateside? I mean, have you worked with American companies virtually or do you fly out there or have you done any, any of that kind of yeah. stuff? No, not at the moment. My goal okay. is to get across there. Sure. I, there's a foundation that's looking at getting me over there in October. And yeah, I, I just want to get some speaking tours going over there purely because of the population, you know, there's sure. I've traveled up and down the East coast of Australia speaking. And it's like I said before, it's all about impact. So if I can make more of an impact over there, the more, more I can change people's lives for the better, the happier I am. I hope you can too. And I hope any of my listeners, that if you do, if you do work for a company and, and you have, you can give some input on, on, because we get these kinds of talks all the time, right? The motivational talks. And so yeah. if you have yeah. any input, I would highly recommend David Lindsay. And I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but as an American populace, we have big problems struggling with obesity, you know, in, yeah. in our health. And I, I maybe this may just be the image in my head because of the media or what I think, but when I think of Australians and the, the visuals that I see, I see an overall very physically fit population because they're going out, they're surfing, they're outside, they're enjoying yeah. the sun. You know, they Definitely. Just, that's kind of yeah, the Aussie vibe. Fresh air. Getting the outside, getting off the computer. Yeah. You know, that that's yeah. a big thing. And especially, and it's not even for young people these days. You know, you, you get people that are in their 20s, in their 30s, in their 40s, and they're, they're still just sitting there playing video games, eating right. the chips, eating, right. you know, drinking soft drink, yeah. just yeah. not looking after their body. If you don't look after your mind and your body, how are you expected to perform at your peak? How are you expected to yeah, be the best version of, of you? Now, you know, so again, for anyone listening, if you're interested in that, you can always contact David. I'll put his contact information in the show notes. And so it's really, 
I think that that Aussie spirit can be brought into the American corporate world and do wonders. I really do. But thank, just, thank yeah. you. And I'd love to do it. And by then as well, you know, my voice would be a lot better. <laughs> now, hey, a couple more questions, Dave, before we let you go. This show, I love coaches. Coaches, just like your wrestling coach, made an impact on you. You know, yeah. my coach has made a difference in my life. I think coaches are the most, some of the most valuable people in society. That we, They are yeah, up there definitely. with doctors and firefighters and first responders. Like, coaches are so important, you know, in, in our society. So I have just a real problem when I go to games and I see, like, bad fan behavior. So whether it's the parents or just yeah. unruly fans yelling at coaches, second-guessing coaches, you know, yelling at officials – do you have, cause I, I know in some of the footy in Australia, I saw some images of kind of some, some bad stuff going on in the stands and kind of, yeah. you know, so I know that that can happen in Australia too. It's not just it an American thing everywhere. Yeah. It happens everywhere. And you've been, a, you've been a part of sport for so long and now you still are working yeah. in sports, a trainer and coach. What's your answer to that? Cause it, it, I am, I get so fed up with it, David, but yeah. can you give any advice for somebody that's been around athletics for a long time? How do we deal with this bad fan behavior? Yeah, it, it is. It's terrible because, and especially you look at the grassroots, like, because I, I coached my daughter yeah. in soccer for um, for a couple of years. And it, the parents are screaming they're, and go, they're nine, they're yeah. 10. Yeah. Let yeah. them be kids. Yeah. Let me increase their skill. Let me increase their resilience. Let me increase their teamwork. And, you know, that at the end of the day, they're not a professional team. At yeah. the end of the day, they're growing. They're yeah. learning the game. Yeah. And I'm yeah. doing it out of the goodness of my heart. I'm not getting paid to coach the, the kids at soccer. I get paid to coach fighters. I get paid to coach Olympians. Yeah. But yet I'm doing this out of the goodness of my heart to help build them up. Yeah. If, if you can do a better job, step in. But it, here's it's here's the whistle. That, yeah. <laughs> It's the people that they're happy to sling stuff. Yes. And quite often it's people that weren't successful in their youth, that weren't yeah. successful athletes. They have all of the solutions. Yes. Go out there and yeah, let them take over. If they can do a better job, do it. Don't don't blow up at me. Don't swear in front of the kids. Yes. Don't you, you don't want that. No, and I, I totally agree with you 100% because you've been at those elite levels yourself and as a coach, you, you've been around yeah. professional athletes. The thing that I yeah. found is whenever I've coached kids whose parents were professional athletes or high-level athletes, they were the best parents. They, yeah, they definitely are. They get it. They get yeah. it. And I, I totally agree with you. And I just got to give some advice. You are the wrong person for a, a dad to mouth and <laughs> off to. You, you would sock him right in the nose. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mess with you yeah. off one of those parents. So it's it's funny. I had to use use my training to really calm myself down. Yeah, sure. Because it, it's as a coach, you know, you influence all of the kids around. And right. yes, I, I coach adults. Like I said, I coach fighters. I coach Olympians. I've coached first grade footballers. But yeah, I have to be a leader for these nine year olds. Yeah, I can't fly off the handle. I I have to practice what I preach, and that's controlling yourself. Control your emotions. Because the same in the sports field, in business, and in life. If you can't control your emotions, you know, you're going to fly off the handle at any given moment. And you want to keep control. 
Totally agree. Now, David, last segment that we always do, we like to just kind of dive into fandom. As I talked to you before the show, I'm a jersey <laughs> collector. I have 440 yep. jerseys from all Insane. over the world, and I, I, I'm wearing the Sydney Roosters kit. So that, that's your yeah. rival because you're, you're a South Sydney rabbito. Yes. And so that's kind of the right. Can you describe that rivalry between the Sydney Roosters and the South Sydney Rabbitohs? Yeah, I guess because they, they, you know, they butt up against each other. It's yeah. like a lo local rivalry in just about anything. Yeah. In soccer, you get the rivalry over in England. Yeah. In gridiron, no doubt, you get the rivalry yeah. because they grow up next to each other. Because you know each other so well, you just want to go harder. You always, it's like when I used to play football against my mates, yeah. you go harder against yeah. your mates because yeah. you want to show them. You fear me because I'm, I'm going to tackle you so hard that it's going to rattle your teeth. So it's a, that's a rivalry. And so outside of being, you know, you were on that track to try to make the, the rabbit, rabbit toes before your injury, but you also coached, you know, with them. You you love the All Blacks. Uh, you know, they're from New yeah. Zealand, which yeah. are world-class rugby players. Yeah. They dominate the world from such a small country too. Really kind of cool. Like, like Japan just won the World Baseball Classic. I'm always yeah, amazed by that. Like New Zealand and Japan, how they can compete at the yeah. world stage like that. I but, love it. I love that. And you also, you, you love it. You just love watching greatness. You, you love, you listed Tiger Woods, yeah. Michael Jordan, Usain Bolt, Khabib, and I hope I can pronounce it, Nurmagomedov. And I, I remember him taking it to Conor McGregor. He had Conor yeah. McGregor's number. Uh, yeah, he was get, incredible. Getting that crank on as well. Yeah. George St. Pierre was another you listed. And so you, you're just a big sports fan. And, but, uh, but yeah. you're, your initial love was rugby. And I know we, like I said, we've had a rugby guest before. So we have a couple rugby fans that listen to the show. I want to ask you for what we call in America, the Mount Rushmore, Mount Rushmore, you know, famous, uh, you know, uh, this, uh, uh, a mountain carved out with the four faces of four of our influential presidents in, yeah. in South Dakota in the United States. And so yeah. our Mount Rushmore basically means like your top four. If you could create, you know, the David Lindsay rugby Mount Rushmore, who would be your top four favorite rugby players of all time? Of all time. It's hard because, you know, like with, with Gridiron, the game evolves. Like yeah. with Rugby League, the game evolves um, as well. And I was lucky enough in Rugby League, they have this thing called the Immortals, where yeah. it's the greats. And I, I've been lucky enough to meet a few of them uh, as well throughout my life. But I think Jonathan Thurston, okay. just the way that he could um steer the team around the way that he controlled everything yeah from he wasn't the greatest defender and i think it's funny where he got dropped from canterbury because he was too small yeah so the fact that he overcame all of these obstacles he's a fantastic player so smart but from someone that's too small to play the game to lead north queensland to lead Queensland in the state of origin to that unrivaled run that yeah. they did to lead Australia. Yeah. They, like can't go past him. So also being a South Sydney fan, I have to say Greg, Greg Inglis. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. Over the last few years. And he's an enormous man. You <laughs> don't realize how big these, these guys are. Yeah. And yeah. until you see them. And then along with that, I'm going back to the nineties now. Okay. One of my favorite players of all time. Most people would never hear of this person, Gary Larson. Okay. Where he was just a workhorse. He played for Australia, he played for Queensland, and he played for North Sydney Bears. Yeah. But he was just, he'd do 40 
50 tackles a game. Yeah. And he was just a constant workhorse. So that is often overlooked. Um, people look for these greatness, the flariness of the Jonathan Thurston's, yeah. of the Greg, Greg Inglis. But yeah, Gary Larson was my my favorite player during the 90s. Yeah, And then on top of that, little, little Alfie Langer, Alan Langer, he was, okay. again, a little bloke, like yeah. only about that tall. I'm not yeah. big, but he was smaller than me. The way that he came up against these behemoths, against these men that are mountains and just run run rings around them. So I like the little guys, yeah. but also the workhorses. Oh, man, David, I love it. If, if you guys have enjoyed this episode as much as I have, again, give us that five-star rating. It just takes <laughs> a second. You can hit the follow button to subscribe and hear new episodes as soon as they come out each week. You can follow me on Twitter at Coach underscore Kobo. That's Coach underscore K-O-V-O. You can hit us up at teamplayerpodcast at gmail.com. Any feedback is, is welcome or any recommendations of guests. As always, the cover art and music for the Team Player Podcast is provided by two of my former players, cover art by Kaiser St. Cyr, and our intro and exit music is One More Good Enough from Avrion's self-titled debut album. You can find his music on all platforms by searching for Avrion. That's A-V-R-I-O-N. Please spread the word about the show. Tell everybody that you're listening. Let's keep growing this community together. Coach David Lindsay, thank you so much for coming on the show today. My absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me as a, as a guest coach. And yeah, hopefully yeah, we gave something to the listeners and they yeah. can use it straight away. Use it to improve themselves, improve their life, improve the people around them. Amen. Coach Kovo, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you for everyone for tuning in. We'll catch y'all down the road. It always feel like I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, and sharing them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head, lost my mind, and sharing them. I'm just fine. I'm good enough, but I need one more boy and one more line. Record the track just one more time. My family think I bumped my head. Lost my mind and sharing them. I'm just fine, I'm good enough. But you be told I need some therapy. Initially, ain't do it voluntarily, but now I 